Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I am your host, Mike Veerman, and uh, being joined right now from the road on the phone is our friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. Max, how's it going? I got my shirt off. I'm in my hotel room. First time in Belfast. <laughs> Things are good. Um, we're also joined by our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Shane, what's up? How's that bod looking shirtless, Max? Could be better. Let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, today on the show, uh, we have Andy King and Brooks Gray from the uh, YouTube web series Filth City uh, and all sorts of other things like the Amazing Gale Pile, uh, Cocked Guns. Uh, these guys are great. We're going to get to them in a bit um, because, as you will hear, I have a history. I used to work with these guys, and Shane also has a history with them. But before all of that, Max, what's been going on, man? You're on the road. How's Europe? It's good, but it's pretty boring. You know, when we go on tour, the guys in our band are probably like the least like rock and roll lifestyle kind of dudes you could imagine. So I have no, I literally have no stories for you, like nothing. But do you like that? Do you like kind of a quiet life on the road at this point in your life? Yeah, it's actually kind of nice. I, I become more of uh, I can become healthier. I, I uh, exercise more. I have more of a daily routine. I actually read more every morning. I wake up and find a coffee shop and read. And I get to reconnect with the guys in the band. Uh, we actually probably get along even better when we're on tour together. It's when we're off the road is when, you know, maybe more bickering happens because we're not next to each other. But when we're all together, it's, it's pretty good. So it's been fun. What about you guys? I missed you guys. Wait a second. Oh, thanks, Max. We miss you too. But the first question, though, is who is the most rock and roll lifestyle guy in your band? Oh, good question. I don't like nobody. It's really pathetic. Uh, like I just brought home Nick some chocolate oranges because that's like that's what he's really into. Yeah, and they're, they're really cheap over here. He's really into those dairy oranges. And you said you didn't have any stories. <laughs> like I mean, occasionally, like you know, we'll we'll tie one on, but it's pretty lame. I saw Nick with a uh, a Guinness beer the other day. <laughs> Actually, you know, I'll be totally honest with you. I made him – he didn't even order that. I ordered that, but I made him <laughs> pretend to drink it. It was a PR move. He had to hold yeah. it just yeah, for the exactly. shot. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's true. Yeah, what's been going on here? There's been lots going on. Actually, you know, one of the, because we've been so few and far between with podcasts, Max, we haven't talked uh, to our listeners a lot. Like me and you and Manager Ash and Lights – had a pretty like crazy night like two weeks ago or something that we never talked about on the pod. Oh yeah, you have to remind me exactly what I just know. I got home really late. Yeah, yeah. I just remember leaving Manager Ash's house. That's the, kind of the only part of the night I remember. Oh yeah, because we were hanging out. Oh, you explain it. I, okay, because you probably remember a little better than me. You, you and I were hanging out. It was the end of Lights's tour, and it was her birthday, so they were coming back to Toronto. So then we were going to meet up with them, but they were going to roll in at like one thirty or something. So we just decided to have a night in, in, in Toronto, you and I, just kind of tooling around on, on the Saturday. But by the time they showed up, we were already very drunk. And then the after party yeah. the after party went back to manager Ash's place where she has like this like like little electronic piano. And even though I was with like two uh, award winning musicians, I cleared everybody out and was like, let me get on that piano. <laughs> <laughs> and I busted out some uh, some Oasis as I do. But then I also was like, you know, I'm trying to do great balls of fire, but I'm like, I'm really drunk. And then I conceded and then you jumped on. Yeah. What did I play? I forget. Uh, I don't really have any good songs in my repertoire. You have a couple bangers, but uh... were they impressed at all with uh, your skills though, Mike? I don't know. I like. I was so sloppy. But well, I will say this though: while I was playing, lights sketched an image of me. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do we have that? Or is it on our computer or something? She's really good at those those uh, cartoon pieces. She's amazing. Like, or whatever they are. She's fucking yeah. amazing. And so we'll post that like on our Instagram. Did she uh, sign it? 
Yeah, she signed oh, it. Oh, fuck yeah. Part of the story is that we uh, we left really late. It was one of those things where we were just all having such a good time watching Mike play piano and having <laughs> light sketch Mike. And it was just like the hours kind of flew by. And by the time we got out of there, it was pretty late. It was like 4.30 or 5 in the morning, which is way later than I, than I normally stay out. I just remember leaving Ash's place and you and I are waiting for cabs to go our separate ways. And you look at your phone and you're like, ooh, this ain't going to be pretty when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you, I think um, your lovely wife, Danica, even gave you a quick ring to see if you were still alive. And then I got home to Lauren's and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sleep on the couch because I don't want to like annoy her. And then at about 5.30 in the morning, she comes into the living room and says, why are you sleeping out here? Come into bed. And then she never asked me what time I got in. So I think she assumes that I like probably crept in around like 2 in the morning like a normal person. Like a reasonable but time to for this, a night out? Yeah, but to this day, she didn't know that I'd only been sleeping for about 13 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but when you get sketched, like – yeah, because uh, I've been sketched a few times. Every time I look at the picture, it's always like the Wicked Witch of the West or something. I'm like, what? Thank you. Like, are you like that looks like me or that I'm flattered or this has no semblance of who I am or whatever? That light sketch was really flattering. It was like very. Yeah, my drunken recollection looked it was like a very like artistic mm-hmm. version of you. So like in my drunken mind, I was like, oh, my God, he's a true artistic genius behind that piano. That's like sort of what the picture said, even though that's not what the case actually was. But yeah, like, here's the thing. It's actually way cooler than I look in real life. So mm-hmm. it was just it was an awesome it was an awesome sketch. Obviously, anybody like the caliber of, of lights who's going to, you know, do something artistic like that because everyone's just hanging out, mm-hmm. you know, after hours. Um, having fun. It was, it was, it's awesome. It's cool. And I have it now. I showed you. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll post that for all of our, uh, our listeners, but that was an awesome night. Also a a while back from when our listeners will be listening to this podcast. I actually, I went to game one of the, uh, the Toronto Raptors versus the Washington Wizards in the NBA playoffs. This was kind of mind blowing for me. Yeah. Cause you were supposed to be at, uh, a party with the, the Champagne Boys party. Yeah. Yeah. All the Champagne Boys were like gathering together to watch this, 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 Raptors uh, playoff game one at Dan Hamilton's. I could not be there for some reason. <laughs> and I was getting ready to be jealous of uh, not being there. And then all of a sudden I start flipping through Insta stories, like getting ready to see this crazy party. And Mike is basically like almost courtside behind the <laughs> net. And he's like, I'm like, Mike, congrats. Like, this is amazing. How'd you get these seats? He's like, I'll explain it for the pod. It involves, it involved like three crazy things. What did you say? I said it involves a millionaire, a CBC radio (laughs) host, the Ritz Carlton, and an SUV service to the game. (laughs) I was like, okay, say no more. And I'm just like, fuck, I can't wait to hear this story. Well, and then, and then Shane was like, he was messaging me. He's like, and put some of this on the pod, on the podcast, uh, Instagram, like being like a Mm -hmm. marketing guy. And I was like, oh, right. I should put this on. Cause I don't know, and maybe this is like, unless I'm with one of you guys, and maybe our listeners can speak to this, like, I like my basketball love or like my obsession with going home drunk and watching Star Trek and like putting that on my personal Instagram. I never know how much like our listeners give a shit about the basketball side of my fandom. So like I tend to, if I'm going to a basketball game, I'll post it on my personal Mikey V Instagram. And then I tend to do more pod related stuff on the pod unless I'm with Shane or I'm with you, Max, because you guys are obviously part of the podcast. Uh, But I don't know. Maybe I should post more of that stuff. Well, I think when you're sitting that close, like even if you don't give a shit about basketball, it's the one sport where sitting courtside or almost courtside kind of transcends the sport because it's just awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah. So I I did that. And then Shane, you hilariously posted from your point of view at home. 
Well, my uh, like uh, my wife was like, "Hey, we I bet you can see Mike on the TV." And then I'm like, nah, nah, nah. So we start scanning. I'm like, holy shit, I think I see him. She's like, there's Tyson. <laughs> and then and then all of a sudden we're like, yeah, there's Mike. And it was like right through a player's legs. So yeah. I freeze framed it. And then- That was uh, just me crawling in. onto the court through his legs. <laughs> I was so excited. But I, I was pretty excited to see it. And then Maxie, you posted uh, from uh, Dublin in bed at like whatever it would have been, three in the morning in Europe. Yeah, it was like, it wasn't too late because it was an afternoon game. So it would have been like, one in the morning and Nick was sleeping next to me but in the other bed not not net, right not right next to me well you are and, sure uh, <laughs> yeah it's sure yeah we're pretty comfortable around each other at this point but uh yeah I was so jealous though because uh, you know this is my favorite time of the year for sports and not even in North America but yeah go on what else keep talking well, what happened was I didn't plant so Tyson as we know uh, Tyson Parker who works here and is a wonderful gentleman he uh I saw him a, like, a, like a couple days before the playoffs started, and he was like, hey, we should catch a game together. So I said, yeah, of course. I'm thinking he means like in a bar or something like that. And he goes, well, I'll see if I can like get tickets at some point. And I'm like, awesome. You know, Tyson's a high up dude. He can make some moves. I'm like, he knows I'm a hoops head. So I'm like, let's do it if it comes to be whatever. Uh, that Friday, I go for a drink and he's there and he's like, uh, I'm going to game one. And so I kind of jokingly, I'm like, what about all that me and you bullshit? Like, uh, that's funny. Yep. Yeah. I'm like, was that just sweet whispers in the night? And I go, who are you going with? Uh, and he says, uh, his buddy, Rich. I'm like, oh, cool, man. That's awesome. I also know I'm going to the champagne boys party. Peak's going to be there. Dan Hamilton, the whole gang. But he's like, no, my buddy's rich and wants you to come. <laughs> he's a millionaire <laughs> and he works for the CBC and there's an SUV service. <laughs> um, no. So I don't know. I don't know about any of this stuff. And honestly, like, I'm like, I, I would love to be in the building, but a part of me is kind of like, oh, I'm going to get heckled by the fucking champagne boys if I don't show up to this house party. I know I'm going to. It's a real fear. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I'm like, I'm relieved. I'm like, good. Enjoy game one. Uh, the night continues. We keep drinking. We're talking more hoops. And Tyson goes, actually, would you want to go if I could get you into game one? And I say, uh, and you know, this is where I'm really like kind of torn because I don't want to let the champagne boys down. But I also, my love for basketball might be more for them. Of course. And it's game one of the playoffs. So I'm like, you know what? I'd love to if you could. So he reaches out to his buddy, Richard, and he's like, is there an extra spot? Dude goes, yes, there's an extra spot. I'm like, there's just a random extra spot. And Tyson goes, yeah, it's pr- it might be a box. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and, and Tyson's friend has like, you know, I guess done well. That's why he takes his friends to these games or whatever. I, I really don't know how, how it's going to go down. So then Tyson's like, all right, tomorrow I'll send you a message. I'm like, great. So I, I'm like, what's the deal? He's like, meet at the Ritz-Carlton bar at 4.30. <laughs> Only fancy boys meet there, by the way. You know, you got to be a fancy boy. I know. <laughs> and I honestly sent Danica, so I was eating lunch before I went to the Ritz, and it was literally zoodles and a pizza pocket. And so I sent Danica a photo, and I go, do you think any of these guys I'm eating at the Ritz are eating the same thing for lunch? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like, Tyson, uh, I text him, I'm like, are you going to be there? Because I don't know anybody from this group. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll be there. So I walk over to the Ritz, Carlton, and I go in and I look around. Of course, Tyson's not there. He's late. And there's like a group of people. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, is that the group? And then there's kind of people sitting at the bar. I'm like, is that the group? I'm like, I'm just going to go sit at the bar and order a Guinness and wait for Tyson to show up. Mostly just try to get a buzz going when you, you inevitably have to meet these strangers and Tyson's not still not there, right? A hundred percent. So I see a guy sitting there and he's drinking a, uh, a glass of wine and uh, there's one seat between him and then there's like another couple and I'm like, is this seat taken? And he sort of very politely goes, no, no, no. And he kind of moves to the side and pulls his drink over and I sit down, order a Guinness. Five minutes later, Tyson walks in. He goes, oh, Mike. He goes, have you met uh, my friend Matt? 
And uh, <sighs> I go, I haven't met uh, uh, Matt. Uh, are you guys? Uh, he's like, we're actually all, all the three of us are going to the game together. We're part of the group. He's like, uh, Matt, this is Mikey. Mikey, this is Matt. I'm like, oh, hey, man. And he's like, small world. I'm like, small world indeed. Uh, I'm like, so are you a big Hoops fan? Do you live in blah, blah, I just start shooting the shit, you know, kind of finding out who he is. He starts asking me questions. He's like, oh, what do you do? How do you know Tyson? I start explaining, oh, I'm like a writer-producer at Bell Media. I'm like, but I also actually do this, uh, this podcast on the side. Oh, because he mentions that he works at CBC. Mm-hmm. I go, oh, cool, which is right around the corner from the Ritz-Carlton. I go, I actually, thinking, because he works at the CBC, he'll know who Max is, like, our Kells are always around there. So I'm like, I actually do this podcast on the side with my friend Max. He goes, oh, I know your podcast. He goes, aside from my radio show, like his morning show, he goes, I also do a thing called Podcast Playlist. So now my brain starts turning, and I'm like, wait a second. This is like, this is a, this dude is somebody. Turns out, it's Matt Galloway from the CBC. Like, there it is. This dude's like pitcher. This His pitcher's on the side of the building. Like, he's like <laughs> a known dude. He's like their most popular on-air guy. <laughs> That's so funny. So I put, and also I'm kind of like Tyson. You could have gave me a heads up because I'm like, Matt's either going to think I knew who he was and I was faking like I didn't, or even worse, I didn't know who he was and I should have known who he was. But here's the thing. He is an awesome fucking dude. I love Matt Galloway. He was an awesome hang. Anyway, it turns out that Tyson's friend, uh, who actually like kindly gifted all of these tickets to his friends, as far as I can tell, he can't make the game now. So now we're kind of in that this- guy ends up being Ron McLean or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like That's who it is. <laughs> it's like Don Cherry actually <laughs> first did it. <laughs> um, so he's not going, but the rest of us are going, and we're at the Ritz. And anyone that was in Toronto that weekend knows that it was like crazy snowy, and it was all, you know they closed down Jurassic Park. Um, it's like all right, it's time to make it to the game, and I'm like, you know, like are we gonna have to hail a cab? And there's just three SUVs outside the Ritz waiting to take us to the game. Like, I walked into the craziest, like, yeah, there was a large group. And so now I'm in an SUV, not with Tyson or Matt, who's my new buddy. And I'm just, but I'm making friends with people, man. And so there's this um, other person. Her name is Beth. She's great. She works for The Loop. So she technically works on our company, but we haven't hung out with her a bunch. Did you recognize her? I recognized her, but we haven't really talked much before then. So I was like, okay. So she ends up in my car and she starts asking me, like, um, uh, they're like, oh, tell us about basketball, blah, blah, blah. So I'm explaining things, and I eventually go, you know what? We might, we might be able to get into the partner's lounge because uh, my buddy works for MLSE. Of course, I'm talking about the nut. And she takes a beat, and she says, are you talking about the nut? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And she can see the look on my face. She says, full disclosure, um, I am a huge fan of the pod. I've listened to every episode. I was like, what? <laughs> She's like, I, I just had to let you know. I know about the nut. I know all about Shane's life. He's got a baby on the way. Wow. I'm like, man, this is turning into the funnest <laughs> night ever. <laughs> Someone knowing you. Yeah. I've been recognized. I'm in an SUV. <laughs> Free tickets to your Raptors. Oh and, and at this point, I still think we're like going to a box. And then you saw the seats that we ended up in. So it, it ended up being this magical experience. Like everybody around me, it, it was an interesting, diverse group of people, people that work in television, uh, people that work in tech uh, just friends of theirs and it was such a great crowd and tyson he rolls in like a, a very good crowd and they were very kind and they welcomed me and i was like very loud and when you're that close like you realize the refs can hear you so i'm like tony brothers you fucking blew that ball and, you know but all these other and they people, actually look at you at they that look point. at me yeah, yeah. and but i'm also with people that i don't really know but luckily all of these people like embraced my enthusiasm and were like high-fiving and fist-pounding me and then, like, I would say something. I'm like, you got to move the rock one more time. And then, like, an older gentleman, like, three seats down from me, who's part of the group, just looks back and gives me a thumbs up. Like, he's like, yeah, brother. <laughs> he should have made the extra pass. Um, was and- it super fan? 
Super <laughs> no, no, uh, Superfan wasn't in our group. Uh, and then basically to end uh, just this story and my magical night with Matt Galloway from the CBC, Tyson and Beth, uh, they wanted to go for a drink after because the Leafs game was going on. And so I was, I said to the nut, I texted him. Oh, we also met with the nut at halftime and he got us free drinks. And I passed Drake right by the partner's lounge. Like he literally, Woo! like him and all of his dudes were like, they walked by like a foot beside, beside me. We made eye contact. Head nod? No head nod, just eye contact. Um, <laughs> don't and, push your luck. And then, yeah, don't push it. If I nodded, I get kicked out of the game. <laughs> uh, so then um, afterward, they want to go. So I text the nut and I'm like, hey man, is there anything cooking? And it was like at the point where my brother Greg started texting me and he says, are you going to come hang out with us or are you too fucking fancy and elite with your fancy seats, asshole? Did you just say the latter? <laughs> no. I, I was like, I'm going to come. And he was like, Peak's about to leave. And I'm like, tell Peak to stay yeah. right there. So I mean, and this is a first for me because I probably would have stayed all night with, with Tyson and Matt and Beth. But I was like, gang, I, I have to go. I've got a, a, you know, a whole apartment full of 20 dudes, champagne dudes. And they, <laughs> they are watching uh, a bunch of hoops and I'm getting heckled right now. But you guys, you're the best company. I had the greatest time. Uh, and that was my experience at game one of the Raptors wow. and Wizards. I took a video of Tyson. They did like an odd close-up that kept zooming in on him, and I sent you a video of it. Oh, yeah. I showed it to him. Was he blown away? Yeah. He, right. he loved it. I think I sent it to him. Mm -hmm. He was like, send me that. <laughs> yeah. Because I remember I sent it, and then you said, this is the fucking best with like eight exclamation points. I was like, I wonder if he's talking about the video or just his night in general. Probably both. Right. <laughs> At that point, I was pretty jacked, man. Uh, and yeah, and thank you so much uh, to Tyson for, for bringing me along and, and <laughs> introducing me to his friends because... Uh, Man, it was a, it was a night to remember, and I I don't take that stuff for granted because like you guys know, like my one fourth season tickets are up in the the three hundreds, and I I just love being in the building. So to be that close was a, a huge thrill uh, for me for sure. Hey, to tie this all together, actually, I remember um, part of the night before uh, we met up with Lights and Ashley is, and this this goes back to a, a story about the nut is that Mike, do you remember? And I, it just came to me now. We tried to get into a certain bar. Before we met up with Ashley and Lights, we tried to get into a certain bar on King oh, yes. Street. This is part of that <laughs> night. <laughs> okay, okay. You, you, you go. You, you tell him, Mike. Yeah, we were hanging out, and we went – and because we were with Dan Hamilton for a bit, then he left. And then me and you decide to go – are we allowed to say the name of the bar? I don't know. Yeah, sure. Yeah, say it. Say so, it. We, so we decided to go to Locals Only, which is like a real nut uh, fave. And we get there. It's probably like, I don't know, 1130 or something like that. And it's me and Max, right? And Max, like – you're pretty golden in Toronto for getting around or people kind of knowing who you are or whatnot. And as we pull up in the Uber, we see there's just a huge fucking lineup. So we're both like, ah, geez. But then we're kind of like, ah, you know, we should be all right. Like, we've been here enough. And we go up to the bouncer and I'm like, I'll take care of this, Max. Like, I'll do the talking. You don't have to get yourself in. But I'm going to use, you know, I'm going to say who you are. So I'm like, hey, I'm like, I'm here with uh, Max. He's in our Kells. Uh, we're here quite a bit. And he's just blankly staring at us. And he's not like he's not moved at all by what I'm saying. And I say the nut's full name. I'm like, oh, oh, uh, we're friends with uh, and I say the nut's name. And he goes, Oh, okay, yeah, go ahead. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm not I do not and Max and I burst out laughing. It was the greatest. It was so oh. funny. There was a zero percent chance that he was gonna let us in with just Max and our uh, from our gals. And then as soon as we mentioned the nut's name. Can we cut this story, though, from the pod? <laughs> <laughs> the nut will love this story, but oh it's true. God. Max couldn't get into locals only, and we had to drop the nut's name.
Wow. That's what it's come it's to. It's a new low. That's what it's come <laughs> to. It's a new low. <laughs> okay, guys. Oh, man. That's this great. has been a good catch-up. We should, I, you know, it's nice. I, we miss you, Max. I know. I, I feel like i got to go cause some trouble tonight in Belfast just to uh, – just to give you guys some good stories. Yeah, two chocolate oranges tonight. <laughs> two chocolate oranges tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get crazy. Uh, put it on the Mike on Much Instagram, Maxi. But right now, guys, we need to get to uh, Andy King and Brooks Gray from Filth City. Love these guys. Phenomenal dudes. Uh, I used to work with them when I started here, like fetching tapes uh, as a unit assistant and uh, getting coffees and all that stuff. Uh, these guys were, were producers and they were making really cool content and it was really exciting to work on it all because of how creative these guys are. So they have this thing out called uh, Filth City. They also have been in Cocked Guns, which a lot of people love. This is a great cult show about a band. Uh, they did a show called Much Screwed Over, which Shane actually starred on back in the day before he ever worked here. In an episode I was in. You yes. were in an episode yeah. of Much Screwed Over as like a, you set up one of the marks. You'll hear about this in the interview. So it's a very sort of like familiar conversation with old friends where we hear about sort of their trajectory through, uh, you know, becoming actors, writers, producers uh, in entertainment, working on Much is Screwed Over. They did How We Do It with Howie Mandel. They were on Scare Tactics. Everyone's remembers Scare Tactics. So a lot of hidden camera stuff, uh, a lot of acting stuff. And of course, they're both on The Amazing Gale Pile, uh, which also stars Morgan Waters. So please go check out The Amazing Gale pile uh the new season's called apocalypse soonish and it's starring of course morgan brooks and andy and go online right now and watch phil city because it's right there on youtube for you if you're in canada and you want maybe all over the world but uh yeah so these guys had a lot of cool stuff and andy was on an episode or on a few episodes of the show fargo uh which is on netflix right now obviously billy bomb thornton and all these people and they were shooting it in canada and he has a hilarious story about how he got cast on that show it's a great story when i was listening back and cutting this interview i was just laughing a ton so let's get to andy king and brooks gray all right we're just going to jump into this thing so for our listeners like we said off the top uh we're joined by andy king and brooks gray uh, who are part of, you know, LaRue uh, Entertainment, Filth City, The Amazing Gale Pile, all sorts of stuff. But one of the reasons we wanted to have you guys on is because we used to work together. Yes, indeed. We did, Mike. In this very building. That's right. You guys were much like Shane and I, like writer-producers for commercials and stuff like that. Yeah, and I mean, we actually did a lot of work together. I mean, we did a lot of <laughs> shoots together. Do you remember? Of course. All the IDs we used to do. And yeah. I remember, I can remember you holding like a grip stand and doing the sound. and you know, like <laughs> I do, the, yeah. Right? Everything. That's how we did it. Yeah, man. Honestly, that's I, I was like a production assistant when uh, when I started here and you were producing spots and then Brooks started. We actually traveled to Vancouver. And that's right. Remember that? That was a crazy trip. That was a crazy trip. Do you remember we saw from the Ottawa Senators naked? That's, There's way more to that story. <laughs> I, way more. That's just one thing that happened. That was, it was. I do remember, though, the next day there was some person that was not really affiliated with us. We all got in a car to go somewhere. She worked for one of the companies we were shooting for, and I think she had a dude in her life, but she might have hooked up with one of the hockey players. And she was saying in the car, I can't believe I did that. But hey, what happens in Vancouver stays in Vancouver. And you leaned into me and you went, wrong. <laughs> and he's proving it right now. I w- yeah, well, that's right, I guess. Well, yeah. look, it's, a, it's way in the past. But- <laughs> We're going to have to cut this out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll bleep the names. Yeah. yeah. There's a whole story there, but... Uh, it was nuts, though, yeah. That they, <laughs> there were nuts. There were nuts on that beach. Yeah. There were nuts. It was on the beach, too. We went, and then all of a sudden, spontaneously, all these hockey players and uh, film people started jumping in the water right yeah 
or marketing. Sounds like the craziest trip ever. It was. It was, crazy. I, it was the first time. So it was the first time I pretty much traveled for work, and it was the first time I'd ever been in the ocean. Oh, That's right. You wanted to see the ocean. I did. <laughs> I started. The you whole started thing. the whole thing, and yeah. somehow the hockey players came with us. They're like, "That's a good idea," and then we all went. Remember? Yeah, man. Was it skinny dipping? Is it that was skinny dipping? Oh, yeah. They all took off their clothes yeah. and went in. And so I don't you know. Provided that you provided the sort of. I, I, the catalyst for them to get crazy on their trip. This was right. definitely pre-social media too. It's oh, big time, right? big yeah. time. Yeah. The NHL players could not do that. Oh no way! No, no, they get busted. And I know I didn't get naked because I, I was like, I'm gotta got the camera gear, guys. Like I, 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 I <laughs> but I don't know. You went in the water, but I don't think you got naked. I didn't get naked. No, but, but no, literally the marketing. We're executive... surrounded by like fucking Adonises, and I'm gonna take off my underwear. Exactly, they were all ripped. Yeah, and exactly. Then suddenly, I just remember the marketing executive girl that we were with just ripped her top off and then she was like let's do it and she was <laughs> just on fire like it was it was shocking too because she seemed really conservative when we met her well that's a crazy start to this uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on guys uh but yeah so the, one of the reasons you're here is because you guys have filth city out yeah i mean andy you directed this film yep you Brooks is in it, it. brooks yep. is in it yep yeah yep. i co-wrote directed it and it was produced by larue entertainment yes and um pat thornton is the star of the film and People know Pat. He uh, he just won yesterday. Sorry, two days ago. Uh, we just won at a indie film festival in L.A. Pat won best actor and won best web series and uh, best ensemble cast. So. Congrats! That's, that's amazing. amazing. Yeah. yeah, we were pretty stoked. That's awesome. Yeah, I was watching it uh, last night because, I, like, I'd been hearing about it for a long time because I was talking to your brother Matt when we were at Just for Laughs and he was telling us all about it mm. and just like following you guys on social media and all that stuff. But I was watching it. And uh, I don't know if this is giving anything away, but I got just a bit past the part where uh, your character, Brooks, uh, eats it. Yeah. <laughs> and by eats it, you mean gets killed. Well, yeah. I guess, well, I think spoiler you, alert, not really gets killed. I guess it's kind of. I think you died should, of natural causes. That's the way I read it. Well, now we're really spoiling. Now we're okay, really sorry. We can cut that. <laughs> but, but there are a lot of people go down, uh, a, lot of, a lot of deaths, that's for sure. All right. Yeah. I mean, part of the concept really was because when, when we started, we were like, we we were making a movie and a web series at the same time. Like a lot of people were confused because, oh, is it a movie? Is it a web series? But we planned it this way. And like the old, uh, I was thinking of these old magazines like Black Mass, these old detective magazines where these writers like Hammett and Chandler would write their stories like chapter by chapter and then they'd amalgamate them into a novel. And because there's all this money on the digital side of things and it's harder to get money for films, we said, well, maybe we could do both. And was, you know, we'll sort of do it that way. But so I went with the same philosophy in a sense where all these guys, they would put a murder at the end of every chapter <laughs> to, to kind of keep the interest over the weeks. And so, so that was sort of the philosophy. So a lot of people end up getting bumped off. Yeah. And then when, when you start to think, oh, what if we could go, you know, with another season or another sequel, then you're like, there's no one left. Yeah. <laughs> he made the mistake of killing himself or his own character too. That was just kind of, I always thought that was kind of a dumb move. Well, I don't know how many spoilers we could talk about. I yeah. never know if when we talk about a movie before like, watch it and we won't tell you anything or if we should discuss it and then they can go see it for themselves. No, I'm kind of getting annoyed by this. So oh, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Disclaim it. But yeah. for comedies, it's kind of different, isn't it? I think like, so. Yeah. Well, it's different that you can give away stuff. I mean, there's some good shocks. I find watching it, there's some good surprises that you don't want ruined. I think okay. it's a comedy, but it's pretty, it's still dark and gritty and it's like, you know, right, right. People a, die that don't deserve to die and things like that. Absolutely. Know? Well, yeah. they're, one death that I was I was very shocked. I was like, "Are they going to do this?" And they did it. And there's like a lot of laughs. There was, I mean, if we're, can we talk about parts? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, let's let's talk about. I, it, I loved when you play uh, one of the main cops in it, 
And at one point you're going to try and like capture a scene on your phone, yeah. but you have no space left because of the <laughs> photos on your phone. <laughs> so in this like heated moment, he's like, he's got to delete photos, but it's like, he's like, oh no, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> Which yeah. is like, it, that shit made me laugh. Well, the funny thing is that's very autobiographical to me because I, and I, it's, I still have this phone and I, you know, it's cracked. I need to upgrade, but I keep having to delete apps. <laughs> Because then I can't get my email, and it's nuts. And my wife makes fun of me for it all the time. And really, it was her idea. She's like, oh, that should be the reason, because this is happens to you, you know? So, And I thought it was funny. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was great. I could talk about a few scenes, but we won't go with all of them. One of the things that I did want to ask about was, uh, so like, like we said, you guys worked here with us doing mm-hmm. like sort of like more traditional, like nine to five, but in creative. It was never nine to five. But <laughs> <laughs> Don't give away the secrets. But man. go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you guys sort of like left to sort of pursue your own thing. Well, the first thing we did, we actually, the reason I quit here was to go do the show Cocked Guns with yeah. Andy. Both of us so did, yeah. We did a right series, into the microphone. A thir- a thir- oh, uh, we did a 13 episode series um, immediately on the heels of working here. Uh, that was an IFC Canada series, and uh, that was great. It was like a mockumentary about a rock band. And then things like, you know, scare tactics and everything came came after that. Yeah, we ended up getting production work after that, kind of, you know, out of some of that work. But but really, that was we left to do our own show, so we were really stoked. And it was, you know, Max might appreciate this, but it was it was a band mockumentary. Yeah, I know Morgan. Yeah. You know Morgan, yeah, right, yeah. Show, yeah, of course. You know, we said it was a, a show about the worst band you've never heard of, you know. <laughs> and the Kite was in that too, wasn't he? Tyler was yeah. in yeah. that. Tyler played, a cameo, uh, yeah. One half of this duo called Smooth Ocean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a rival band. Is yeah. that like a play on wave? Were they like supposed to be? <laughs> they were just like supposed to be sort of cool, easy listening, I, I remember there's a yeah. scene in the park. That's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were wearing like cool hats and suspenders and they're kind of douchey and oh, shitty. Man, when you got- V-neck shirts that kind of vibe totally um, yeah, when you funny. guys left and had that show like i was in a band and but you guys had left and we were like oh man you guys had the dvd and then like i brought it back to the band yeah house. we watched it together we yeah, all because yeah. shane we had the f- four guys from the band living in the house and then shane needed a place to live so we let him live in the basement oh <laughs> which constantly flooded <laughs> it was like a so nice <laughs> oh my god and then uh and then yeah but I, we had your dvd and we like would watch it at the the house man that's we awesome. died. Oh, that's great yeah it was you know it's to this day and i like I'm not kidding. I still get on the you know the Cockguns Facebook. You'll get people commenting. Like it's been off the air for at least eight years, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But but some people still know it. Some people have never heard of it. Most people I would say have never heard of it. And uh, you know we were, we left here. We left much to go pursue our dreams. And then after a year, we actually won a bunch of awards here too. But then they canceled it. And then we were sort of back to scrambling for work. So that's how we ended up on Scare Tactics and all those other shows. So, okay, so you guys leave here, mm-hmm. you guys do Cocked Guns, and then you say you're kind of like, oh, shit, what are we going to do next? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then is that when you, are you guys going on auditions as actors? You're generating your own content? <laughs> I still thought of myself as a sort of a writer-producer at that point because of, you know, our training here. Yeah. And actually when we went on Cocked Guns, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to act. Like, <laughs> yeah. I had done it in videos and stuff, but I realized pretty quick when you're doing it every day as a job, it's there's things you should know about it. It's like a real it's a real skill that yeah, you people train yeah. their whole life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like a really difficult. Yeah. So that was tough, uh, but I definitely sort of thought of myself more in the in that category. And then um, I think it was our friend Leo who was on Cock Guns who got this job originally on How We Do It, the Howie Mandel hidden camera show. Mm. I remember that when you guys got that gig, it was like word spread, like, oh, they're doing the Howie Mandel show. Yeah, and it seemed big, and it was for American TV, and we thought, okay, well, there's a bunch of U.S. execs. Actually, one of the producers on that show is this guy, Michael Rodenberg, who, like, runs Three Arts Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And if anyone knows what that is, like, they represent every all the big people, you know, like Chris Rock and, you know, like, like everybody. But uh, so we were like, oh, cool, you know? Uh, he was like this 
58 year old guy in like a track suit you know it was, it had three, <laughs> three phones, phones. Yeah. <laughs> it was so weird it's like so cliche but of course so amazing and uh but you know we never really ended up talking to him much but we met uh the the guy running the show uh was the creator of scare tactics and i knew scare tactics i think we aired it on space way back in the day and i, yeah. I always thought it was hilarious so right away i was into it and um wasn't it shannon doherty didn't she was she's like the host she hosted it for season. a while yeah yeah yeah, yeah and uh stephen baldwin and know. Tracy Morgan, wasn't it? That was yeah, the season yeah. we did with yeah. Tracy. Yeah. And actually, I went down to film some bits with Tracy. That's another story. He was, he's a nutcase. Like, full-on <laughs> Legitimately? I mean, I don't know what his deal is. Like, I can't... I, I couldn't tell, but he showed up. Pre-accident or post? This was pre. Okay. This was right around the time, just after he had, he had said something controversial on stage. I can't remember what it was, and he'd gotten in trouble for it. Was it about <laughs> people or something? It might have been. Yeah. Or if he'd kill his son if he was... Yeah. yeah. Something We're going like to bleep that. those words, by the way. Well, I thought it was a good bit. No. But that's <laughs> what he said. That's a direct quote. It's a direct quote. quote. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. But he was, uh, but I, I went to film with him and I had to do all these like little bits for the show where he was actually acting in them. Like we did a, a scare tactics bit where Tracy Morgan got kidnapped and the, the Mark thought that he was really kidnapped. And so I had to shoot all this stuff. But he showed up, you know, you go in, they fly you in, and you have such limited time. And he showed up four and a half hours late. Right. First of all, oh, four and a half hours. I was just sitting in a lobby, and then as soon as he got there, he's like, "He's like, man, I need a haircut." And then he just <laughs> no. called up his personal barber. Then he went to his room for an hour. Then he had his girl going out to get him McDonald's, and then he was. It was just. It was really a struggle. And sure. in the end, he delivered. I mean, to his credit, he totally delivered. But he was very. It was just. You know, I was such a big Tracy Morgan fan because he was on SNL. Uh, I think when I was in high school or something. In, I just really loved him, and it was a little bit of a disappointment, to be honest. But Never made you hear us. Well, it, yeah, yeah. And, right? Yeah. It's always interesting when it's like, <laughs> those stories are funny to us because we didn't have to work with them directly. But like as somebody that's actually trying to produce a segment, or act, it's like it, act, those stories aren't charming. It's just no, like yeah. a lack of professionalism that is always funny when you hear about you know some legendary performer, but then it's a real bitch when you're actually trying to do the work. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. I, it, you get kind of a story out of it, I guess, afterwards. You tell people, and it's somewhat interesting, but... It is super stressful because, you know, it's an opportunity for you. You feel like you have to deliver. And, and then, you know, four and a half hours. I mean, the shoot was like scheduled for five hours, you know, like yeah. it's crazy. So yeah. it went long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Went a little bit long. Were you on Scare Tax as well? As an actor, I wasn't a producer or writer on it, but I did probably 10 episodes as an actor. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't on How We Do It either, but I was jealous of those guys when they were on it. I was doing other stuff. Um, That's always a funny dynamic too, though, because you guys have sort of like done so much work together. Yeah. When they get something like How We Do It, are you like, ah, fuck? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. Mostly, I mean, at the time too, I was just like, I need work. Like, forget <laughs> forget <laughs> yeah. what it is. Sure. I was more just like, wow, I quit like my stable job to do this show, which went away. And then I ended up working for, you know, I'm like, what the hell is same thing as Andy. I was like, what the hell do I know really about being an actor, a writer, producer? We kind of, we put together a piece of tape that showed what cock guns was. And then we got a 13 episode order. Like I've learned in retrospect that never happens mm -hmm. at the time. Right. It was easy to believe, Oh, this could go on forever. You know, this is how it works. You just get a show and it's fine. But when it went away, it was kind of like, well, now what? Yeah. You know, did you ever have a moment where you're like, what have I done? Like I shouldn't have left. Uh, not really only because I didn't like even getting the job here was sort of like, oh, this is, this is weird anyway. Uh, cause I didn't, it's not like I went to film school or anything. I 
as I say, we did sketch comedy and stuff. My real, like what I applied for the job with was all stuff that we'd done on our own. Yeah. And I always had that view of like, my career has been lurching from one thing to another, mm -hmm. following opportunities, doing things that I think are interesting or fun and struggling a lot of the time. But, um, I don't know. Looking back, I don't really have any any regrets about that. But it's certainly you learn fast that things can go away quickly. And now you know you 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 have to be a little bit more precious about what you're going to spend your time on, what you're going to do um, with your. Career. And you're more likely to get shit done if you have no other option. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to true. get lazy when you're at this job. Well, it's <laughs> not just lazy. Like what I found about this job was like I loved it, and we're well, talking about for our listeners the job that all four of you guys did in the past, and we did here at uh, Much Music, Bell Media, that sort of deal. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, like I really loved to hear. It was really like a like high school, obviously, and you know you had everyone in different departments. I learned so much. Like all these people taught me things and how to edit. And you would you, in the real world, you don't pick up as much from different people. Like here, you don't realize, but you're actually you get to learn from all these other mm -hmm. amazing people. I mean, we had Carl Armstrong oh, in our office. And I'm all, going to a basketball game with him on Sunday. Are you oh, amazing? Oh, yeah, I love Carl. He's a legend. Around he's a total here. legend. Yeah. But uh, but the the hard part for me was just that you know you still had to do ten promos a week or something. Yeah. So <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just exhausting. Like the the pace of it was so intense, and and you were always doing this sort of concentrated work that was similar to the work you wanted to do. Yeah. And taking up all your time, so you really had nothing left. When you get home, you don't want to like write a script or exactly. do anything else. Yeah. 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 I mean, we always did. I I felt that. One thing I've always done, if I have a so-called steady gig, I've always had a thing on the side, like moonlighting, just to keep it interesting and to keep, you know, you always want to You're looking stuff. at our exactly. side gig right now. Yeah, you know? exactly. This exactly. is like what we do outside of our day job, because I, I do think that like, it's not incredible. It's not, it's not totally fulfilling in that way, I think. So it's like, there is something good to do on the side if you want to stay creative and kind of do something that's going to. something you can totally own yourself that it's like yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, but I, I mean, how many guys, you know, that are like, I know guys that are working, you know, they're plumbers and they are in a band, like, you know, it's always totally. something where it's like, and they're, they seem like they're just as committed to the band as they are to their career as a plumber. Max one pay, pays the bills. He's in a band and he does plumbing on the side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whoa. That's my true passion. <laughs> it's hard to get out of We're a just band. free plumbing, like just free land. Like, hey, anybody need a drain fix? Yeah. Pro uh, bono. Uh, yeah. Plumbing. yeah. <laughs> That's great. I plumb well, for the can people. I just say though, that you guys are really great at this uh, and, uh, keep it up i heard you're yeah <laughs> i listened uh, i love it recently I, to the the live show you did with Catherine reitman that was great oh thanks. you're doing more live ones i guess eh? we'll see we that one in may well. apparently it may. went so good that we don't want to do another we kind of don't right. Right. That's like, what it lives in our mind is the greatest right. night of it's kind of like drugs it's like it's hard to get higher so yeah, it's like right. we should probably just quit now while we're ahead but I, I it, you obviously don't take drugs um i think it's awesome and every time i see someone on your podcast that i like like i uh, you know danny mcbride's an example oh, yeah. i really love danny mcbride when i hear your interviews i find them just so much more interesting and involved and the, you know the pace and the and and everything i learn from them just much more so than you know the average bear oh, and thank you. this is about you guys yeah. Stop uh, it. i mean i'll leave all that in but yeah. thank you so much <laughs> um but so anyway like so going on from that well actually one thing that we wanted to talk about was you guys did do the show screwed over yes That's right that was well, the birth was of prank in a way Sorry? That was like, in terms of our careers, so-called, in, in Hidden Camera, that was the beginning. The beginning of the prank. We've done so many prank shows, by the way. Like, we talk about scare tactics, but I've done, I think, seven or eight prank shows at least. And uh, just, I don't know why it, it was popular for a while and we had done it. But Screwed Over was, yeah, the first instance I can remember of us doing a prank show. It was actually the other two guys in Cock Guns. 
Morgan yep. and Leo. Yeah. And then you and I acted we're on at, it. We're just acting in it. For the and then the part. crazy part is Shane was in <laughs> one of the bits. Yeah. Oh, is that right? You Which set one? up your buddy, right? My, yeah, my buddy. Uh, set it up I, for the listeners. You didn't work here or anything at the time. I didn't work here, but I was always looking for opportunities. And I guess, I'm not sure if you introduced somebody to some of my videos or something. We knew. T- yeah. you, was it Mike who showed us? But we saw uh your video <laughs> someone introduced us to teen wolf 2 oh teen wolf 3 that was me yeah. i showed you guys oh teen right wolf right right yeah yeah because okay. we were the band in it he cast my band with my brother in it and i just thought it was great that shane made this it was just amazing youtube yeah. movie <laughs> yeah. yeah and so we were definitely fascinated by you at that point and then i believe <laughs> and so so my what was produ- the bit what was the, bit? the okay so the production company that made <laughs> teen wolf 3 was called snatch tv okay so we had an idea where my best friend would uh There'd be some mix up where you guys think he's a sex addict because he's always wearing Snatch TV shirts. Right. <laughs> so So you helped contribute to the prank idea. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So then he when he comes to the hotel room, you guys come out and you're like, Hey, this is an intervention for your sex addiction. I was the guy. Yeah. And I was an ex sex addict. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you were gonna send him on a uh a fishing trip, like a, a fishing expedition to get crab or king something. King crab, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just to sort him out. We were going to send him fishing oh, for sure. king crab. Yeah. And he was, he was kind of buying it, but kind of confused. So I had to like start crying in front of him to actually convince him that it was real. <laughs> and oh yeah. And we lured him with a, a like a sexy female. That's right. Brigitte. <clears throat> yeah. In all the bits. Yeah. She's in that, yeah, And she's Morgan was the, the doctor. Right. Well, like yeah. who tested to see if he was a sex addict? <laughs> All right. All right. Oh yeah, we had a little sort of uh beep thing that would go off, oh, I think, no. around his crotch. <laughs> <laughs> told you it, he was a sex addict. Maxie, do you know who it is? Well you told me it was. Oh, yeah. Rob Ascula. Ascula, yeah. yeah. Who's our dear friend yeah. today? And sex addict. Still. Still. Yeah, he's still he just, just as addicted. It was to pretty sex funny ever. though. And we kept telling him like <laughs> as soon as you leave this hotel room and we're putting you on a boat. <laughs> for three weeks and he's just like I can't do that <laughs> it's like you have to yeah. that was oh, man. and the first bit it was, a, it was weird because I thought you were describing like the fr- I think it was the very first screwed over bit was a similar intervention scenario and we were at that really crappy Howard Johnson's and we brought this guy in and it was kind of like confronting him I can't even remember what we were confronting him about but I was the guy tell- no it was, it was he had an anger management problem was, was the idea and all I remember I felt like it was the first time I was doing hidden camera, and I felt like this is like what it's like to be an undercover cop. Like oh. we're bringing a guy to a hotel yeah. room. I've never seen him before in my life. I'm here by myself, you know, even though there's a crew, and I'm just going to bullshit him until he. I, I have to get him to do what I want him to do. Yeah. And I remember, and then as soon as I saw him, he's like this kind of big, thick necked kid. I'm like, I think this guy can beat me up. Like I don't <laughs> know how bad I want to push this. Like I don't know how far I want to push this if it goes sideways, you know. And I've always had that feeling in doing hidden camera. It's like uh, this could get a little weird. Like it, oh, and it has, and it has yeah, many <laughs> well, times. How much like do you get when you when Borat came out? Did you just have anxiety watching that? Because for me, him putting himself in those situations, Sasha Baron Cohen. Like, what did you guys think when you were seeing that? At that point, had you guys done hidden camera stuff? Um. I can't quite remember. I think we had. Yes, we had because what happened was I re- Borat actually changed the rules of Hidden Camera in terms of the legal issues. Mm. And after he came out, uh, I remember we had to get some like pre-signing thing because they would usually – I remember the, the early days of scare tactics they told us. They would literally just call a temp agency and invite the person over and then scare them and then just have them sign a release at the end. But then we had to come up with this complicated way to get them into the bits. So yes, Borat had come out. I mean, look, 
he's amazing. I mean, it's on a next level. Um, compared to what we were doing, it was different. Ours dealt a lot. I mean, I like scare tactics the best. We did another show called Freak Encounters that had a similar vibe. But the ones that dealt with fear were kind of a, a different, you know, kettle yeah. of fish altogether. I mean, they were crazy. And we had people totally freak out, um, you know, just just go running, like attacking, you know, it was, we tried to be safe, but I mean, people, when they're really, really scared, mm-hmm. it's, it's insane. Um, yeah, it got, it got pretty real. One guy showed up on shrooms, actually. His buddies had, <laughs> had given him shrooms because it was his birthday and then put him on scare tactics. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's not a good thing. That, that's the problem anxious. is that people are, I mean, they're, you can do whatever you think you can vet it and, you know, make it safe, but you know, it's volatile. Like you're scared. You're telling a lot of the time you're actually, you're going out of your way to convince someone they're going to die. Do people ever notice hidden cameras? I have had people notice things or people think, Oh, that's weird. Uh, but what I learned was at first I thought we were going to get caught every, you know, all the time. I was like, Oh my God, we're burned. We're burned. But, uh, you realize if you just keep going, it, it's unbelievable. And, um, I think I was telling you about Howie Mandel earlier, how he's like a, a hidden camera master. Like, I don't think people know that about him. He's done a lot of hidden camera shows and he loves it. You said he's a really good guy too. Like you, how he's a great guy. And you said earlier, Max, you know, you meet your, don't meet your heroes. But, um, I mean, I guess Howie wasn't my hero, but he is, <laughs> he is an awesome dude. Yeah. And so meet of, guys you kind of like, because <laughs> yeah. kind of like and respect, yeah. but he was awesome. He spent time with us. He would, he would sit down with us and talk to us one-on-one. He's just super funny. He would just do jokes. Like when we were out just for fun, you know, and <laughs> just working on like, it. what would be an example? Well, I remember like, you know, like we'd go to a restaurant with him and then he would just go sit like eight tables away and be like, oh, you like as if we got it wrong, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just for no reason. But yeah. he was like that all the time. And he was just a super fun, kind of happy, fun guy and a workaholic. I mean, the guy, I don't think people know this, but he still does like something like 250 stand-up dates a year. Yeah. yeah. So he would just fly wow. around all the time and he would come back. He'd be like exhausted. He hadn't slept, but he still muscled through the bit. But anyway, I digress. In Hidden Camera, he's a master. And I remember one of our first bits we did, the guy, you know, he was supposed to be in disguise because uh, it was his show. And he kept playing this guy, Larry, and he was undercover. And it, it worked most of the time. And then early on, this guy caught him. And he goes, you're Howie Mandel. And I was just like, ah, oh, we're done. You know, what a waste. And Howie's just like, like, no, I'm not. Or he, he, just, he just either ignored the question or said, no, I'm not, and kept going. And just got the guy back in. Like the guy point blank said, <laughs> you're Howie through. Mandel. And he still brought him back. So after I saw that, I was like, yeah, you can just, you can get anybody back. They're not sure. They're like, they're never sure. Cause like, why would anyone go to all this trouble? And like you said, you know, if you see a camera, you'd be like, yeah, the security camera here, I guess. I don't know. You know, you just mm-hmm. kind of got to keep going. You know what? But like from a human nature standpoint, this is why con men are so successful. Because you just you eventually accept the reality of the situation, and I think people are just banking on that, and they'll just deny it till they die, and sort of commit to whatever they're doing. Yeah, I I think there's this the, for me the the psychology is also people can think something might be up or off or a bit weird, but to the full leap to I'm on a hidden camera show is maybe a bridge too far. They're they're it's they can get their bullshit detector starts mm-hmm. to go off, but they don't know how to interpret it. They don't know what to do with that information. Yeah, they're kind of like. This is weird. I'm not, I don't feel quite right about this, but I don't know exactly know what's weird about it. Yeah, you might say, oh, I feel like I'm on a hidden camera show, but you wouldn't actually You don't actually feel think that, you are for Because that's ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So you don't fully go there. So you can kind of keep stringing people along. I'm very gullible, so I relate to all this. Like my roommate <laughs> convinced me that uh, he won a 
60 inch uh, flat screen TV in a cactus growing contest. And I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> and, I, and I told my family and like anybody listening, it's like how my roommate Jug had secretly been growing this cactus and then submitted it in the contest. And I dined out on this conversation or on this story for like months. And then it turned out we were just storing our friend's flat screen TV until he had to move to his next place. But <laughs> so you'd never even seen the cactus? No. He, no. He this, is, this is the deal. In Dundas, Ontario, there's a thing called the Cactus Festival. It okay. has nothing to do with cactuses. <laughs> And That's weird. He came home and saw the TV. I was like, like, "Where'd you get the TV?" He's like, "One at the cactus uh, <laughs> cactus <laughs> festival that was happening that weekend." I was like, "What?" Uh, yeah. And then I'd That's be telling it everybody else knew but me. And then one at one point, I was like, "Hey, Chuck, what kind of cactus is it?" He's like, "Arizona summer cactus." <laughs> I was like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> "He's like, I've never seen. Is there a picture of it? Like, didn't you want to just see the damn cactus since it won this big no, award?" No, it was good enough for me. Just the oh. story. Yeah. Well, that's just the thing too. Sometimes the more outlandish it is, the more believable it is. Yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. You'd like, how could you make that up, kind of thing? Yeah. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. Yeah. And then once we got people going into sort of aliens and you know Bigfoot or whatever it was, you know, it just they, they started to just go, "What is going on?" Like they just. Yeah, no idea. Like, you couldn't prepare yourself. Like, I always thought, you know, people ask me if I ever felt guilty doing it, you know, because, and, and I guess I, I did in some ways, but, uh, you know. I have deep guilt about a lot. Do you? Of yeah, yeah. You know, so a lot of people do. And I noticed, you know, as Canadians especially, you know, none of the, you know, the American guys are like, ah, who cares? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> kind of felt a little bit. I, you know, I was okay, but uh, it was funny. At the end, the friend, it, the, what got us out was like, you know, it was always, oh, your friend set you up, your friend set you up. And then the friend, they'd always go, oh, my friend set me up. Oh, man, I'm going to get you back so bad. And I was always thinking, like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're not going to spend 80 much. grand to go break your friend. Like, it's yeah. just not going to happen, yeah. right? No, this is it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, another thing, you guys, uh, season four of Gail Powell's coming on. So we talked a bit about Morgan Waters. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, Max, you know, he's nominated for Juno right now, too. Yeah, we've just, yeah, right. I've known Morgan for a long time. Um, and you guys, like, so how'd you guys get involved with him originally and then this show? You know what happened was, um, I believe it was Martin Markle, uh, who's a, a CBC exec. Uh, anyway, what, the exec at CBC at the time had seen, I think it was the Signals from Times uh, IDs that you worked on, Mike, oh, okay, when I was yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he phoned me up and said, do you want to work on uh, the Morgan Waters show? Which was... Morgan's like sketch comedy after school show that he had, yeah, circa two thousand five six. It was sort of like a kids sketch comedy show, yeah, or it was sort of after, like tweens yeah. kind of thing. I liked it. it was yeah, great. it was fun. It it's was still funny if you watch the ones that are on YouTube. They're yeah, funny. yeah. And I was happy with the ones we did, but I, I took it on as sort of a freelance thing, and and then uh, Brooks did one. And wait a second, friend. while you were working for us, you were doing CBC shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Whoa, what I said about moonlighting. moonlighting. Yeah, no, and, and honestly, I was nervous about that at the time. I remember like I didn't want to. I, we kept that on the down low for sure. Well, look, a lot of people do that stuff around here. We know that. But uh, <laughs> it was an opportunity. I jumped on it. wasn't it. Bell Media at the time either. It was no. Chum. So, yeah. you know. They were pretty, they were pretty loosey-goosey They back were more the loose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, those were good times, man. They were good times. Yeah. yeah. Don't reminisce too hard about that, yeah. about how good those times were. <laughs> I know. It's true. Careful. Yeah. 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 Well, it's not It's not really Bell's fault. It just was a different era. But uh, So, are you guys excited about season four? We are so excited. Five? And actually, funny enough to segue for you, I mean, I believe that we did a bit on Screwed Over that about this, um, I played a character that was like this female beauty expert, which kind of inspired yeah. Gail Pyle later on when they there got there. There was a bit on Screwed Over where uh, uh, Morgan played this like goofy TV host, infomercial host. Andy played an Australian sort of beauty expert <laughs> guy. And then it was a couple of years, it was, well, it was quite a few years later. I remember thinking like I'd worked with Morgan and Andy on plenty of things. And I always liked Morgan doing sort of 
sort of dorky, nerdy characters. And I loved Andy's sort of like, sh you know, shitbag Australian character. And I was like, why don't we, you know, and we just did a little proof of concept video uh, of that and then ended up um, using that to pitch and, and got a show out of it. Um, awesome. Yeah. And we're four seasons deep now, which is crazy to me. Um, but that's the short version of what happened. It was like, you know, even, but even when we made that, the thing that we shot, the proof of concept for the Amazing Gale Pile, that was at least, I want to say, six years removed from that screwed over bit. Yeah, it was much later. But, you know, it's it's great because uh, I've gotten more work as an Australian than as a Canadian. <laughs> well, I, this is my thing, man. So I was literally sitting at home like three months ago and Fargo just came on Netflix. And so I throw it on because everyone's like, Fargo TV show, so good, so good, so good. So I'm like, all right, I'll throw it on one day. It's Saturday. I'm hungover. And so I'm getting into it. And it is very good. That first season's awesome. And I get to like episode seven or eight and like my jaw hit the ground. I was like, holy shit, that's Andy King in an Australian accent on fucking Fargo. Like, yeah. Right, man. So and how does that happen? I mean, I, I would say I owe it to the amazing Gail Pyle. You know, I, <laughs> I, uh, I had played an Australian at that point for a couple of years, I guess. And my agent um, heard that they were looking for an Australian and Fargo needed Canadians. So oh, I, uh, were they shooting up here? They, shot they were shot, uh, shooting Alberta. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, so she's like, do you want to audition for this? And I was like, hell yes. I mean, like I was the biggest Cone brothers fan yeah. in, in the world. And, um, I did my thesis on the Cone brothers at school. So I was just, you know, I jumped all over it and I was like nervous and I got to self tape cause I'm not very good in auditions. So that was good. And I worked on it and worked on it. And, uh, eventually they said, okay, uh, I had to go back a few times and they said, okay. And I was just like bouncing off the walls, but then Actually, funny story. I have a friend who works in production out in Calgary. And somehow, through some weird thing, he's like, yeah, uh, I, I heard that you were being discussed in this production meeting out here in Calgary. And I was like, what? Why would they be discussing me? Like, I'm just like, an, you know, a bit player on the show. And uh, he's like, oh, it's the accents because they're worried about everyone doing these Fargo accents. And, you know, you're not a real Australian. Uh, so they're kind of a little, a little nervous. So I'm like, oh. I'm like, I'm panicking. I call my agent right away. I'm like, could I lose this? Could I lose this thing? You know, because for me, this was a huge thing. Like, fire, like, are you kidding me? Absolutely. And so I was just freaking out. So she's like, well, I guess technically they could still fire you. So I was like, oh, man. <laughs> so I thought of this plan. I was like, all right, here's, could you do this for me? I said, send them an email and ask them if they want me to do a Melbourne accent or a Sydney accent. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Did you have a different? No idea. No, that's genius. <laughs> yeah. So it went back. It went around. I saw all the execs, even Warren Littlefield from NBC was yeah. on this thread and it all went around and you could see them going, they're asking Sydney or Melbourne and everyone's like question marks, question marks. And they're like, whatever, just do Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So you gave them a choice, which made it that's seem like you were an genius. expert at the accent. That's right. Because you'd had this inside tip. Yeah. Wow. Do you think that secured you the job? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think it could have. And I mean, I was just lucky to have a friend who works in locations, yeah. you know, in, in Calgary. Wow. So, But you, I think, didn't you tell me that originally they thought perhaps like when they saw your self-tape, they thought you were in Australia. You at least fooled the casting people. And then they maybe later found out you weren't and then panicked about the accent? Yeah, I'm not sure how it went down. And maybe they were like, oh, he's not Australian. I'm not sure. Because they, they did cast out of Canada. So, But I just know that they were concerned. And again, just because everyone was doing an accent. Mm -hmm. And so there were so many people that they were like, you know, they wanted to be authentic. It's like one accent too far. Yeah. <laughs> That's where they draw the line. Yeah. Well, and on, on The Amazing Gale Pyle, Andy's as J.D. Castleman, the accent is so, like we've, by design, it's so cartoonish, the character. I've made short. it more cockney. and Yeah, and yeah. we've also, like, we, we make up slang for Australians that doesn't even exist. <laughs> like, we have this 
running gag that, you know, instead of streamers, you'd say at a birthday party, Australians call them squiggly wigglies. <laughs> because it sounds like something that they would call them, even though that's not true. And we have tons of things like that that we're just like, yeah, that's what Australians call that. Yeah. And then he says it as if they do. So it's this like, weird zone of it's made up anyway. Brooks is an expert at writing phony Australian slang. Oh, man, it's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a blast, though. And this season, I have to say, is, is really... Uh, I guess off the chain or whatever the that seems whatever the kids yeah. say. That's it's, an Australian expression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, off the chain, <laughs> but it's uh, it's really crazy. There's an apocalypse on the horizon, and uh, it, it gets wild. And it, it's a very interesting show. You know, I'm I'm happy to have been a part of it because it's it's just super weird and creative. And you know, as you guys probably know, Paul Shear uh, is in it. They got the voice of John Hamm. They got John Daly. Uh, I don't know if you guys know him. He's an amazing comedian. Uh, Scott Thompson's in it. So it's just been like, I got to do a scene with Scott Thompson. Uh, yeah. Man, wow. how was that? Amazing. Yeah. And he's just a super great guy. So it was a lot of fun. Um, and and who, I just can't believe that this show is doing all that because it's like, no one would have greenlit this in a million years. I don't know how yeah. this even got through. Well, it just, it grew organically. It's one of like the IPF. I don't know if, that, I don't know if you know what that is, but it's uh, the independent production fund, which funds web series. They used to fund independent TV pilots back in the day. And it's like an endowment and, uh, you know, it's a, it, you, you have to pay them back. It's an, it's not like they're just giving you money, mm-hmm. but, uh, they invest in, in web series. And we sort of grew like our first season, we had a tiny budget and you know, it was a passion project. And I assumed that it would be one and done. We were going to do our 10 episodes and it just kind of like got a little bit exposure in the States. It led to Morgan and I getting management down there. It kind of led, we got these little bites that kind of, Oh, now we're getting another season. And then the third season was, CISO, which was NBC's new comedy subscription streamer. And suddenly we're getting financed by them for a third. And all of a sudden our production value goes up triples. And, you know, now the CBC is involved. And now we're a fourth season with the CBC. And it's just like every year the financing and the whole – it's taking all these twists and turns. And the fact that we're still making it is amazing. And it's a blessing. We made – there's more – minutes of the amazing Gale pile than now than there was of caught guns, which was 13 half hours. Yeah. Uh, and even though it's a, you know, web series, the production value is getting higher and it's better quality and every season it's gotten better and better. And it's great. I mean, I feel extremely lucky that this absurd show that's behind the scenes at a shopping channel, which is nonetheless this psychosexual psycho odyssey um, with with apocalyptic overtones. It just keeps on going. Like it's yeah. it just, you know, it's, it's, it's absurd. Nominated it's, for an Emmy last year. I saw it. I know. Yeah. And you guys have won a bunch of Canadian awards. Absolutely. And yeah, obviously couple, won a couple of CSAs and yeah. nominations. And yeah, we're very thankful for all of that. And as they say, it's like you couldn't have predicted its path when it started. Like there was no model for it to succeed in the way it has. Um, so we've just kind of been figuring out as we've, it's a good lesson to people out there that just go do something because you really don't know what's going to happen. And I'm starting to think like now I'm like, I think sometimes like when you do start to make it happen, that does help make it happen. I don't know why, but it just, do you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I totally, I always talk about that with band stuff. It's like, just do stuff and you don't know what doors will open as a result. But if you don't do anything, then nothing's definitely going to happen. Yeah. 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 Or Uh, you wait for the perfect thing. Yeah. Yeah. People get stuck doing that all the time. They're like, I don't know if that one's right. And it's like, just do shit. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Once you start going, it's really easy to then sort of pivot into something else or to to whatever. But yeah, you just got to start making stuff because you never know. Like there's no way in a million years you thought like when you pitched the original Gale Powell that John Hamm would be in your thing and you'd be nominated for an Emmy. Like it looked like a little tiny web series. How does John Hamm get involved? Uh, Well, we, when we did it, when we did our third season, which was for CISO, 
uh, as I say, which was NBC, they, we, we brought in a, uh, American, uh, producers that we'd worked with in the past, abominable pictures. They make like, um, uh, children's hospital on adult swim. Yep. Um, a bunch of other shows. They actually do a couple of Netflix series. Um, it's the one they did the uh, wet, hot American, summer. Wet hot American oh, summer. Um, a lot, a lot of great stuff. Uh, so they, they were fans and Paul Shear um, was a fan of the amazing Gail pile. And so once we got into that process of now we're making it for CISO, it's going to be an original for them. Season three is suddenly we had more um, bandwidth and more clout. To, get more juice. To, yeah. We had more jam so we could do outreach. And I remember we almost, I, I swear to God, I almost talked us out of even bothering to contact John M. It was kind of, we had this huge list of like, we need a voice. We want to aim high. And I was like, what the, why are we even bothering? And then I was like, no, no, we're going to do it. We went to him first. And wow. within 24 hours, he said yes. And next thing I know, I'm on a plane to New York to record him doing a voice of a <laughs> character awesome. that I wrote. I'm like, this is. A, Did you direct him in the booth, sort of? Yeah, deal? it was crazy. It was insane. It was. What's he like? It was super nice. He had just come off the plane from St. Louis. He had been at uh, Game Six from of the World Series. At, he did, no, no, no. It was in the winter. He'd been at uh, Blues uh. versus uh, Kim, uh, the Sharks. And this is oh, this is like two winters ago, two playoff seasons ago. He just gotten off the plane. He drove him like he got in an Uber, came to the recording studio. He was like, bada boom, bada bing, laid it down. And was he off. a hero of yours? Yeah, well, yeah. I, it, that that was truly great for me. It was like it wasn't just like oh, let's just find some big name. <laughs> like I'm a, I'm a fan of John Hams, a huge fan of Mad Men, and he was like you know. When meeting him was great. He was super nice. He's a comedy guy too, and right? he loves doing comedy. That's the thing. And you know, I and I. Part of me was like, what, did you lose a bet? Like, why are you here? Like, mm-hmm. why are you doing this? And he just straight up, he's the kind of guy, you read something, he likes it, he'll do it. And and that simple, you know? And, he, you know, to, to hear that, you're like, well, fuck. It is validating. Let's be honest. You're like a, a pro that's a big star saying, like, he likes your work and wants to do it. You're like, fuck yeah. You yeah, know? man. Yeah, it's great. On a scale of 1 to 10, how surprised would you have been if it was Howie Mandel as John Hamm? <laughs> yeah the whole thing just yeah. like my whole life is just a long He's form prank so good yeah like wow yeah. i would on a scale of one to ten i'd say ten yeah <laughs> exactly yeah. that's how good he is man um man that's awesome so uh, everybody check out uh phil city uh like we said uh in canada on youtube and internationally the new leader of the pc party <laughs> uh just just to mention if anyone cares threatened to run me over with a car last year doug ford doug yeah. ford yeah which is a great you know, promotional Whoa. bonanza for our filth yeah. city. You're serious. So, so this is obviously a take on Rob Ford and that whole fucking fiasco in Toronto. It was inspired by the Rob Ford it's, crack scandal. Yeah. But what happened was, a, uh, it got into the Canadian Film Festival, and I guess a trailer came out, and then he got he started calling us scumbags and like disgusting profiteers, and then he threatened to run me over with his car. Doug did. Yeah. And he's now the head of the uh, PC. And now party. he's head of the PC party. So yeah. well, that's leadership. You know, he, he was in the building yesterday. Was he? You guys, mm-hmm. if if we had done this yesterday, you could have crossed paths. Oh, That'd been awesome. Been great. Yeah, that we, it's probably best we we dodged a bullet there. But uh, <laughs> no, he's uh, no, you dodged it, an SUV. Yeah, yeah. vehicle. <laughs> true, true. So yeah, but he doesn't want you to see it. Just so you know. <laughs> and actually, while we're here People on that note, it. since you guys, uh, if I could get the word out, if anyone has an IMDb account and has seen Phil City on YouTube and wants to give us a nice uh, uh, rating, all, Ford Nation got together and tried to sync our rating on oh. IMDb. All these, all these like suburban moms uh, uh, got really angry about it and that we were making fun, they thought, of Rob Ford. And they, they, they were like, vote him down. <laughs> ones well, ones I think or I, zeros. I, to be honest with you, I think – you know, there's lots to enjoy for everyone in Phil City, including 
Ford supporters. I honestly believe that, that like you could be, if you are a Ford supporter, you probably also would enjoy the film. We've had good reviews from Ford supporters. So the film crosses party lines. It does. <laughs> it's universally appealing. And there who can say that nowadays? I know <laughs> in these polarizing times. <laughs> oh God. Well, Brooks, Andy, uh, it was a delight to work with you guys back in the day. Likewise, uh, Mike. And you guys are doing awesome stuff and it's super fun. I think to uh, watch you guys sort of ascend and just keep doing uh, cool uh, creative work. So oh, thanks man. for coming. Thank on. you so much for having us, and Shane and Max. Thank you guys, man. Yeah, yeah thank thanks you so for much, coming. guys. And is our episode of Screwed Over available anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, see if you can track it down. YouTube. It's in, I bet yeah. you it's in deep in the archives of this building somewhere. If anyone yeah. can get to it, you guys can. All right. <laughs>So Shane's going to record this on his Cobra cam, and I guess I'm going to put my mic up to the phone here so we can hear the, the people. Are you going to do a speaker? Is that the deal? Yep. Crazy. United Talent, 
Hi, I'm looking for Andrew, please. Sure, which Andrew? Oh, jeez. Uh, Andrew... Okay, one moment. Hi, uh, could I speak to Andrew, please? Yeah, this is uh, Shane Cunningham from the Mike on Much podcast. Shane Cunningham, sorry, from Much podcast? Uh, we're uh, the MTV of Canada. It's like uh, Much Music, Mike on Much. Okay, thank you. One moment. Hey, I'm sorry, I can't get him. Would you like to send an email? Uh, I'll, I'll just call back at a later time. Okay, what is the call regarding? Uh, it's regarding, it's regarding, sorry, uh, our episode 100 for the Mike on Much podcast. We're trying to get Nathan Fielder on as a guest, and I was recommended to call this number by Brandon Nutt. I'm not sure if that name means anything, but apparently they had a lunch together, and uh, apparently Nathan's willing, or at least kind of open to listening, uh, to see if he could be a guest on our show. Right, it's probably easier to email than write all that down. Yeah, okay. And, and if if I call back at a later time, when would be the better time to call? Um, I'm not really sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you. The email or? No, no, I'm good. Okay. I'm more of a phone man. You got it. Thanks, Shane. Thank you. Bye, bye. Okay, so there you have it. <laughs> By the way, yo, yo, U- UTA, United Talent Agency, is a massive agency. Yeah. So you calling the front desk and asking for Andrew is fucking hilarious. <laughs> I'm more of a phone man myself, he says. Uh, don't need the email. So another pray in the web. Jeez. Uh, Let's say Nathan's uh Gone. Let's forget about him for episode 100. And the thing that now I'm going to kind of tease, I guess, is I've got something cooking that could potentially be big for episode 100. It's kind of an audio documentary I've been working on. Mm. I've been shooting a lot of it uh, with the Cobra Cam. It's very exciting. It involves someone kind of big, like a uh, mogul. We are in a... (laughs) We are in a bit of a type of weird head-scratching case that I'm investigating. Is any of this intriguing you at all? Like, uh, I'm very intrigued. Uh, I like to stay uh, blind when it comes to any of your uh, escapades. So right. uh, I like to be <laughs> all <right>. surprised. <laughs> all right. Plausible deniability. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all. That's our episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. The Mike and Watch Podcast is produced by Max Kerman. I am your host, Mike Veerman. See you next week if we don't die on the weekend.